First, Happy New Year. It is a new liturgical year. With a liturgical year, we turn to a new cycle. Well, not a new cycle, but we return to cycle C of our lectionary. Cycle C, most of the Sunday readings are from the Gospel of Luke. So I'll give you fair warning right now, buckle up, because it's my favorite gospel. Uh, It's the one that I studied most in depth, but also uh, it's my favorite because of a few of the themes that uh, St. Luke records. And so I think it's important as we begin this liturgical year, this new cycle, to know a little bit about the gospel uh, writer himself and maybe the, the major themes. So as we're coming Sunday after Sunday this next year, we can more readily pick up on some of those themes or see how they, they kind of interact. Part of the problem of reading scripture in piecemeal like we do on Sundays and if we go to read, um, at least read this, the weekday readings, we, we have something like 90% of the Old uh, New Testament, but it's all piecemeal and, and there's no scope and sequence or, or we look and miss some of the major themes. So first, who was St. Luke? St. Luke was a Gentile of the four evangelists, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke is the only Gentile. The other three were were Jewish. Mark and Luke were not disciples. John and and Matthew, of course, were. So already we we know that St. Luke is going, going to have a unique perspective on the gospel of Jesus Christ that he's writing. He was a physician, and we see hints of that uh, in his gospel, especially Acts of the Apostles. We see a little bit of that, but uh, St. Luke is very, uh, very exact when he's, he always gives you a medical diagnosis, a man with dropsy, or his right hand, or uh, some, uh, he gives some medical conditions. There is a medical condition that, I forget the formal name of it, but it means when one is under extreme stress, one can literally have the capillaries in their skin burst and they sweat blood. And Luke describes that in detail. So St. Luke being a physician, and St. Paul tells us our beloved physician, Luke. St. Luke was a follower of St. Paul. In fact, uh, it is said that St. Luke helped Uh, St. Paul uh, write some things, perhaps. St. Luke wrote, the, in addition to the Gospel, he wrote the Acts of the Apostles. I already hinted at that. And we we get that hint because in Paul's letters, uh, there's some times and places that he writes that how St. Luke is with him. And in the Acts of the Apostles, uh, we have what are called the we passages. Instead of using they traveled or he traveled, it's we traveled, and it's not a slip of a tongue or bad grammar. Rather, it's saying, I was there, I witnessed this. He wrote it to a man, wrote it uh, not just to the man, but uh, to a man named Theophilus. His name happens to be friend of God, which I think is phenomenal. Theophilus was most likely a man of means, and was a benefactor, most likely, in the days uh, where ink and parchment were, were expensive, where it cost money to uh, make copies of things. Now it still costs money, but not quite as much. Uh, you had to have a benefactor in order to buy those supplies. And St. Luke hints at this Theophilus being his benefactor. In fact, it's one of my favorite lines, most excellent Theophilus. 
He's investigated everything anew. And I've wrote, written down an ordered account. Now, this is not a strict biography. That isn't what an ordered account means, but rather one in that, that gives detail. And so, he, uh, for, if you want to imagine, he's an investigative reporter who's gone to all the witnesses and sat down with them and interviewed them. St. Luke, one of the reasons I love the Gospel of St. Luke is he records more than anyone else details about the Blessed Mother. And St. John contains some, you know, the wedding at Cana, how the mother of Jesus came to him and said, they have no wine, what is this? Or, or all the Gospels record how Mary sat, stood at the foot of the cross. Matthew's Gospel, if you remember, we hear of Joseph and his annunciation that his wife is going to bear a son. So we have a little bit of that. But in Luke's Gospel, we have the whole annunciation of the angel Gabriel coming to Mary. Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. You shall conceive by the Holy Spirit. And she then goes to Elizabeth, the visitation. And she breaks out in the song of joy, the Magnificat. If you were here on Wednesday evening, I used the Magnificat for the uh, launching point for the homily, for the ecumenical prayer service. It's this moment of praise, of, of just pouring forth. And time and again, we hear St. Luke telling us, about she pondered all these things in, the, in her, heart, her heart. And we hear of the nativity from her perspective. But even more than that, because St. Luke was a Gentile, he writes in such a way that it's all people. And he, he explains some of the things that he feels the Gentile audience needs to know in order to help them understand the gospel better. In fact, in his uh, genealogy of Jesus, he traces Jesus' genealogy all the way back to Adam. Why? He's not just concerned that Jesus is in the line of David, but rather how all people have access to Jesus because we are all related through Adam. Some of the other themes is he tells us a lot about the women who served Jesus. In uh, chapter 8, we hear the women supporting him with their means. When there is a parable or, or story, usually he will tell it twice. A, a similar and one great example is the parable of the lost, the parables of the lost. We have the parable of the shepherd who loses his sheep and goes and search, searches for the lost one and leaves the 99. And then immediately he follows with a woman who had 10 coins. Or he's concerned about the widow whose son dies, the widow at Nain. Or, the, or he expresses Jesus' sadness and watching the widow with the, the two small coins. We just heard about that, but St. Luke goes into detail about that. St. Luke is concerned about women and the minorities, the outcasts. He tells us about the Samaritans more than any other. The, uh, ten, uh, the one Samaritan who was healed in the midst of the ten lepers. Or the parable of the good Samaritan. Or even just the parables alone, that, that would be a major theme. St. Luke contains more parables than any other gospel. Mark and, and uh, Matthew have some, and Luke repeats them or reuses them. One of the other themes is what we hear in today's gospel passage. That Jesus is going to come again and we need to be prepared. 
And St. Luke, that, that leads to, some people will ask, well, when was the gospel written? And some scholars will say, well, it's after the destruction of the temple, which happened in 70 AD, because St. Luke contains these hints at the destruction of the temple. I think there's another explanation, and that is Jesus is Lord, and Jesus knows what's going to happen. And anyone who knows Roman history knows what Rome does to people who oppose Rome. The city of Carthage, for example, was utterly destroyed. They salted the land so nothing would grow there. That happened about 130 years before uh, the birth of Jesus. You don't have to be a rocket scientist or a prophet to know that Rome is going to treat them poorly. The other reason I think uh, St. Luke would have been written earlier is, again, he wrote the Acts of the Apostles. And the Acts of the Apostles ends with the arrest of Paul in Rome, waiting trial. Now, for one who uh, wrote his gospel showing those who believe in Jesus Christ winter the death, those that we would suffer and, and, and suffer greatly and die for our faith, wouldn't the greatest preacher, Paul, wouldn't that be worthy of writing about his death? So perhaps St. Luke was written, and I, I believe this and a number of other scholars believe this, that it was written probably about 60 AD, about 10 years before the destruction. And all the same, that hints at why St. Luke is telling us to be prepared. Because, because Jesus reminded us that this generation will not pass away until these things have occurred. And of course, the, the things that Jesus had prophesied, we still are waiting for the, the redemption of, of the whole state of Israel and all those things. But the destruction of the temple would have fulfilled a number of those prophecies. And St. Luke, if he's, if he's writing before they all happen, he says, you need to be prepared. And perhaps that's the reason why we continue to celebrate Advent is because we know these things are yet to happen. When we'll see signs in the sun, the moon, the stars, the nations being in disarray, disarray, when we know there's people being turned over for their faith. John Allen of, uh, I forget which newspaper he writes for, I think it's the reporter, National Catholic Reporter, says that Christians now, more than any other time, are being martyred, being persecuted, even more than in the days of the Romans. These days should not fill us with fright, though, although Jesus says people will die of fright in the anticipation of the things coming upon the world. But for us who believe, we're called to stand erect, not cower. We're to stand erect, and we can only stand erect if we really are prepared. And so that, uh, why, that is why Jesus invites us not to become drowsy, not to become uh, carousers or drunkards, not to be caught up in the anxieties of daily life. Oh, we know about those anxieties, don't we? Well, there's so much to be anxious for. And if you're not anxious, I can make you anxious. Oh, we get anxious about so many things in our culture these days. Tell us, uh, these days, not, not uh, well, the, the culture tells us a lot of things to be anxious about. But in these days specifically, we should be anxious about Christmas. The Christmas season is here. The 12 days of Christmas are already begun. 
No, the 12 days begin on Christmas Day and they end on Epiphany. The 12 days of Christmas don't refer to the days counting up to. We're in Advent as Catholics. We're not to be anxious about Christmas yet. And I'm convinced the more we focus on Advent, the more meaning Christmas will have for us. We're invited in to prepare our hearts, our lives. But that doesn't mean we can't go Christmas shopping or whatever. I I continue to find it ironic that the day after Thanksgiving where we give thanks to God for all we have, people go to the mall and they maul each other over the gifts that they want to give to each other in love. And I'm appalled that the day after Christmas is the other shopping day that's notorious. People returning the gifts that their loved ones have given them that they don't love. They're concerned about so much without being prepared. So we might ask ourselves, how can we be prepared? On one uh, last week at the Sunday Fire, we talked about some of those ways of being prepared, the Advent wreath and, and preparing the Advent uh, or Advent calendars and maybe the crash, the Jesse trees, all those things. But in a special way, the Advent wreath takes precedent. In fact, we have the Advent wreath that we will light in a, in a little bit after the petitions that reminds us to count the weeks, to prepare, that as the world itself gets darker, literally darker because of the sun, that we light the Advent wreath to remind us that Christ is our light. This year, unlike past years, we will use different candles and the candle that we light each week and each Sunday will remain lit throughout the week. So when you come to pray, and I do invite you to pray during uh, we're open during business hours, of course. But to come and pray, you will see the candle burning and remind yourself that Christ is coming. That as we light each sequential candle, that Christ is coming closer. We already heard it too. The day of our salvation is closer now than when we began to believe. And St. Luke believed that. Another way of being prepared It's a tradition I hope that uh, we can all start if we haven't already. It's one of my favorites because, of course, it involves the Gospel of St. Luke. The Gospel of St. Luke contains 24 chapters. He did not write it that way. They were assigned 500, 600 years later, chapters and verses. But starting on December 1st, this Wednesday, if we read one chapter a day of the Gospel of Luke, on Christmas Eve morning, we will read of the resurrection account. And we will read in specific the Road to Emmaus story. And how if we read that, we, when we come on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day to Mass, to celebrate Christ's Mass, we will understand more profoundly how Christ continues to be with us, how we see him in the breaking of the bread. Or praying as a family over the Sunday readings, to take them some, sometime throughout the week to read the Sunday Gospel, maybe especially. I keep telling people, if you want to play a game, guess what I'm going to say, because only God knows what I'm going to say sometimes. But to really talk about what does this reading mean? Why would the church give us this reading during this Advent season to reflect on? Well, there's prayer books and, and prayer uh, things, and there's lots of resources now online and formed has as a few of those. 
to use some of these resources that the church provides or that the people in the church provide to prepare our hearts. We prepare our homes for Christmas. We decorate it. We, we fill it with lots of good food and good smells. I was telling Deacon Bruce, we as humans are a weird lot. We put trees that belong on the outside, inside, and we put lights on them. And we put real trees that we let kind of dry out, and we put electricity on them. That's smart, right? How much more, though, should we prepare our hearts for the coming of our King? St. Luke was convinced that Jesus Christ was going to come again. And he's right. He's right because, not because St. Luke told us. He's right because Jesus Christ promised. The church celebrates this Advent season to remind us that he is going to come again. And so while Jesus Christ came in history some 2,000 years ago, he's going to come again. And so we look at the readings and, and prepare our hearts much like the people of Jesus' time before his time did, of asking for grace, asking for help, seeking the light of Christ. Because unlike them, we know that Jesus Christ became incarnate. They were waiting in anticipation. We're waiting for his return.